0: Incorgibles! March Madness is over. What, what am I going to do with myself? It's it's only going to be twice a week now and I just don't... I just, what happened last time on the incorrigible party?
1: While invisibly sneaking around, Falzern and Shaft find themselves in Alamar's study as the elders, Shakara and Mia, arrive to discuss Heraklion helping with the Kraken. The talks get quite heated as Mia and Alomar butt heads over her penchant for divine worship. But with Geneva and Isabella behind them, the ladies manage to sway the majority of the elders to lend aid in researching the Kraken and Deep Scions further, to uncover any information the party may have missed, and to better formulate a plan to deal with the aquatic monster.
0: Oh, what was that you wanted? More adventure? You got it.
1: Well, it seems we are all in greens. We will help you for now, but please, there's there's nothing we can do so late at night. I suggest we get first started first thing in the morning. You too, as as a bearer of bad news. Despite that, you're still free to enjoy the festivities. We are still here to honor Elder Good. Now, please. Let us return. Return to the ballroom. And at least for now, think more of ways in which some of us can or cannot help. And figure out how we will proceed after our research.
0: Sure. Do I Can I have access to the library tonight?
1: Absolutely. Again, it is located on the east side of the keep. You are free to read as much as you like. Okay. And you see Keek open the doors again to Alamar's study and He files out, followed by Gundar, Sybil, closely behind them. Alamar stays seated at his desk. You see him fiddle with some parchment and and, uh, grabs an ink and a quill. And Geneva files out, followed by Isabella, the two gray robed figures as well.
2: Uh, Before Isabella files out, I want to, like, kind of motion
0: to her. I'm going right to the library, baby. Okay.
1: Shakara and Isabella with the the roped figure, the gray rope figures. Her bodyguards, so it's not been clear.
0: <laughs> Just say flesh golems, and we know what they are. They're flesh golems. No, they're totally
1: wrapped up and hidden. You don't know.
0: They're totally not flesh golems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad you at least picked Where up Where should she
0: get another book?
1: Well, if... if Obviously, Shaft and Falzern would recall fleeing to that cave when you rescued Falzi. There were still two fully formed flesh golems that you ran from. Oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Or she just went to magic, 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 and golem and picked one up.
0: And bought it. the book
2: back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant.
2: She had a tracer on the bought book. Bought it back. She knew exactly where it was.
1: And as the everyone falls out of this room, Falzern, you wanted to trail after and get out of here?
4: Well, not if I see Izzy and Shakara... Dallying behind, I want to hear what's said there.
1: They're just last to leave the room.
4: Yeah, so I uh, my intention was to was to leave behind everyone. I don't want to potentially get tripped up in in someone you know bumping into me from behind or whatever. So I wanna I want to try and sneak out last, if that's possible.
1: Yeah, you can get right. Basically, you're following the two bodyguards, not flesh golems. So the two bodyguards out of this room, and Alam you know Alamar. Oh please, someone. Close the door, if you if you would. And Isabella motions to one of her bodyguards, and you see it turn and reach for the door. Why don't you make me an acrobatics check there, Falsy?
0: I'm sure you have yeah, zero. Yeah, that's deck, true. You don't Twelve. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's easy for you to duck and quickly scurry out of the way as it, you know, it's moving. It's not moving like in a fast to try to grab something. Obviously, it's just moving towards the door, and it shuts the door to Alamar's study. And then you see the elders filter off. Geneva kind of turns to Shakara. Well, if you would like to look at my study, please, I- I'll be there. Just stop by anytime.
2: Yes, I will be there in just a minute. I had something I need to talk to Isabella about first.
1: So Geneva, down this hallway, she steps into, she steps into her study and... Mia and Shakara, you've, as you progress down this hallway, you've seen like clear placards on uh, two of these doors that said, "You know, Geneva Vance and Gundar Beskop," on the doors, clearly denoting their studies. And Mia, you follow behind, trailing behind the elders, moving their way back to the ballroom, which is also towards the library. Okay, Shaft, what are you doing?
3: Once everybody's gone and is silent, I'm gonna sit there for a second, and I'm gonna go
1: in. <laughs> okay, i if uh, to so you are like I Almar I said, Almar stayed at his desk.
3: Oh, oh, then I
1: won't do that. Almar did not <laughs> I was The <laughs> <laughs> shaft lost it. I thought everybody left. I'm sorry. So did you want to try to get out with in there? No, no, no. Okay. Spy on uh,
3: I'm going to uh slowly um I'm going to watch what he's doing first. What is he doing?
1: I will also say for in uh, and Shaft, you have probably about 15 minutes left on the hour of this okay. spell.
4: Okay? Yeah, so okay. My, my decision, uh, I don't know Shaft is in there. I would still have done the same thing. I want to get out of there because I know I've my time's running out.
0: Ooh, let me guess. You guys are invisible?
1: <laughs> so Shaft, you see Alamar sitting there scratching out on a piece of parchment and the doors close. As soon as they close, you see him get up, and he's still, even in private, hobbling, uh, using his cane to move. He goes up to the door and produces a key and locks the door to his study. <laughs> oh, no. okay. And goes back to his desk, stands before, him. he doesn't circle around to the seat. And you just see one of his, his feet, he kind of steps out towards one of the legs of the table here, and steps on a brick depressing the brick and a bookshelf on the west side of his study slides over see the soft grind of of rock as it's moving to reveal a hidden passageway in which he starts to move towards and descending a flight of stairs leading downward
3: I'm gonna follow him
1: all right make me a <laughs> stealth check it's good I got I got plus eight to stealth
3: and I have advantage when I'm carrying the bow, which I do.
2: Don't roll a one.
1: Oh, that's okay. I got a 19. Okay. You are able to get into... So it's this 10-foot staircase. So you're able to, to scurry in after him. And he stops, you know, about five feet in and pulls a lever that's on the wall. And it closes the shelf behind him. Let's... Well, Okay, let's. Uh, we'll in. What do we do? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta take John out f- by himself.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, this is nuts! If he's a deep sign, please tell us, Shaft. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: As this bookshelf closes behind you, cutting off any light coming in from the office, you're plunged into darkness, and you. Can throw on your goggles, I'm yes, sure. Yeah, and have dark vision, as does Alamar, being an elf, which you are well aware of. He descends the stairs, and you do see it. It's about a fifty-footish hallway, and ends in a in a right angle, turning to the left.
3: I will stay back, just about fifteen feet from him, and try to be as quiet as possible.
1: And he steps to the corner. He gets to about the corner, right where he would turn, and he stops. And you hear him mumble an incantation and moving his hands in the air and the somatic components. And then he continues, turning down this corner. I'll follow. And it leads to another double door. And you hear from the other side of it, you hear what sounds like moaning. Okay. And he approaches it and he throws it open.
3: Alright, I'm just going to watch.
1: And he takes uh, a step, you know, five feet into the room and again he stops and you hear him do the same, same kind of a different incantation but again, moving his arms in the air. And he's opened up this room at the back end of it. You see four what look like cells. The front of them are lined with steel metal bars uh, separated by a brick wall and in each of them there is a zombie. And these aren't like... Uh, the drowned zombies—they don't—they're—they're they're not bloated, or there's there's no sign of barnacles or anything like that. These look like your your run-of-the-mill zombie. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs>
1: you see, they—they're they're all clad in robes. Um, some of them are kind of tattered now at the point. Many of them are in kind of various states uh, states of decay. He enters this room and you hear him whistle. He calls out, and suddenly appearing on either side of him are six what look like dogs next to him. And you see him just petting them.
3: Okay, I'm going to stay very, very still.
1: Yeah, he pats each of them and gives another whistle and you see them blink away again out of this room. So where the door opened, this double door, it opened into the hallway basically, right? Mm -hmm. And you see there's another passageway to the left and right of this room. Basically the only other two ways out other than the way you entered. And... To the east side is a, a shelf full of—they look like various trinkets. Uh, you know, there seems to be some amulets with emeralds set into them. Uh, there's a porcelain urn, a crystal bottle, and three metal scroll cases kind of lying on this shelf. Uh, there's again more, more like ink uh, bottles of ink, inkwells, and parchment, and what look like spell components. Some of which you recognize that you may cast in some of your own capabilities. And on the western side, there just looks like a, a kind of a, ba- a, a a pile of four traveling bags, basically. And you see him, he walks up to the bars and kind of peers in and inspects each one of them. And he just moves to the shelf, examining some of the items, kind of ponderously setting them down. And he speaks to the zombie in, in the furthest right cage, which would be, you know, the east of this room. Oh, well... <laughs> So, good to see you again, old friend. Uh, There's been so many developments. Uh, I won't get into it and bore you to death. (laughs) He chuckles to himself. Could you roll a con save to stop laughing at that awesome joke?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I definitely have advantage on that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But he's just kind of muttering and, like, he's speaking as if he would be speaking to, like, plants he's watering kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Very familiar. He seems to know each of whoever these people used to be. And he leaves this zombie he's speaking to and moves towards the west of this western hallway and leaves this room.
3: I will follow him cautiously.
1: You see that there's another kind of long hallway. Immediately, there's a left turn into a room. Can you make me another stealth check, please? Oh, I got it. So, 25. The first opening, it just, as you walk past it, you see three of these dogs. They're just laying in there, you know, amidst uh, amidst some uh, beds of hay. They're just kind of laying down. They raise their head as they see Alamar walk by, but they don't seem to hear or sense you as you are able to follow. And Alamar just continues. I'll follow Continues around a corner down a longer stretch of hallway here that leads to a small, what looks like a small library. There are four tall stacks of books and he continues into this long rectangular room to the end of it where there is a desk.
3: Okay, I'll sort of walk along there, sort of going behind the shelves as I go and I assume he's going towards the desk
1: he is he walks right up to it yes all right
3: I'll just uh, get there to that last row of bookshelves uh, closest to the desk and sort of watch what he does
1: the desk is full of already full full of a few books and you see him turn t- immediately to this shelf behind him in which you are nestled next to and he you see him browsing with his finger kind of tracing along some of the spines and he finds one that He's obviously looking for. Pulls off of the shelf and starts to flip through it as he turns back to the desk. And you see him scribbling into another small, very similar to what you found in Sybil's uh, living quarters—a small leather-bound book with, you know, the parchment in it. Looks—it doesn't look uniform, right? It looks like it's been pieced together. And he starts to make some scribbles in it as he's, you know, reading through some of these books on on the table.
3: Okay. Do I? have a sense of how much time I have remaining.
1: You, uh, well, yeah, you would say there's not much time left.
3: I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the amount, right?
1: I would say so, yes. As you know, he, he, he only paused for a minute or two as speaking to the zombie, right? So, since you have got in here, it's been maybe five minutes.
3: Okay. I am going to slowly head back out and go back towards where the double doors are. So past the dogs, uh, out where the double doors are, and I'm going to look down the the, uh, eastern hallway there in the main room where we came in and and just take a look.
1: You see what looks like another kennel. As the other three dogs, uh, it is a dead end. Again, they're nestled in kind of these hay beds.
3: I'm going to take a closer look over at the bookshelf and... relatively quickly, um, just glance there and see if there's uh, any kind of books that might uh, raise some suspicion you know, like a book of raising the dead or something to that effect
1: so there, there are no books on this one, it was just the trinkets, um, the spell components, again the, there's three metal sc- what look like scroll cases on the, the lowest shelf but no, no actual books on this one
3: so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the zombies real quick do they look like they are old and rotted, or do they look like someone who's not died
1: that long ago? The one that Alomar was addressing yeah. looks the freshest. Okay. There's there's minimal rot on some of the thinner you know, on it like its cheeks, some of the thinner places of skin. Um, its face all of them are obviously like this pallid green, right? And clearly the the one in the farthest cell looks to be dead have been dead the longest there's parts of its uh, like a, along its tattered arms the robes you can see parts of bone from some of the flesh that has sloughed away in it's you know the rotting process it's very clearly like it's almost like as you're you're looking at like a di- decay scale like it's very clearly these, these four were turned and, and killed or, or whatever process happened to them at various times in relation to each other
3: okay you said there's four backpacks or like pouches there.
1: Yeah, like explorers' bags. Yeah, like traveling bags. Yeah, so
3: I'm gonna go uh, open one of them up and just sort of see if it has any any way I can identify who the. Uh, I, my my assumption is these are travelers and this is their their belongings, and uh, I just want to get an idea if I can see anything that might give me an idea of who they are.
1: Yeah, inside there just looks to be a change of ropes. You do find a few gold pieces. Uh, across the four of them, you find a total of 50 gold pieces. Okay. One of them has a, uh, another scroll inside of it. It's actually been kind of folded up and tucked into what looks like almost like a hidden pocket in one of these bags that you are actually quite easily able to find. And look, looking at it, it's a scroll of Find Familiar.
3: Okay, I'll pocket that, of course.
1: Other than that, it seems that these bags, either whoever they belong to, really carry no valuables or have already been stripped of anything worth taking.
3: Okay, I'm not going to spend a lot of time looking so I'm going to head out the, the double doors try to open it up quietly just enough for me to uh, slide through.
1: Yeah, Alomar had, they're, they're, are, they're open so like Alomar threw them open and he didn't close them or anything behind him so you're able to um, make me one last stealth check and see if you can get out of here.
3: Uh, that's a 27.
1: You make it back to the stairs and are able to ascend them.
3: I'm, of course, go and I'll pull the the lever to push the
1: bookshelf back out. And it slides open.
3: And I'm going to go very quickly at this point, uh, up the spiral staircase and out the doors on the top that I know there, uh, there, that he didn't go lock that door.
1: You didn't see him, no. And you two had previously, you and Fawzian had previously entered, so... You left the bookcase open, then, right?
3: Uh, yes. I didn't tell you. I didn't. I didn't tell you I closed. <laughs> uh, yeah. There, because you said there was a there was a stone or something, right? You saw how he activated it. Yes. Oh, I'm only ask you this when I when the bookshelf when I pull the lever and the bookshelf moves. Is it loud enough where I think that he might hear it?
1: It's audible, but judging on the distance. And the amount of turns that you took, kind of, and you, like you have the as, his location as approximate location, assuming he is still there the, where you left him. Uh-huh. It doesn't seem like it would be loud enough. Like there isn't even an echo from the sound of it.
3: Okay, in that case, I will close it. If if not, I was just going to run because I figured the noise would be loud enough to draw his attention, and then go up the the spiral staircase out the door, and try to get myself back to the uh, the main hall, the main. Banquet hall.
1: Okay. <laughs> nice job, Shikara. Speaking with Isabella, falls an in, invisible in this hallway, able to hear the conversation. So you've just moved out into the hallway. Do you want? Are you speaking in the hallway? Are you, are you taking her somewhere? What, what, what are you doing here, Shikara?
2: Um. So Geneva went one way. Did I? Did anybody else like? Anybody else's studies nearby? I don't remember what you said.
1: You only saw Geneva move into her study. The rest of the elders went the same direction as her, but that's also the opposite of the way you came, which would lead back to the ballroom. So you're not entirely sure where they all went to. But currently, it's just you and um, it's just you and Isabella with her bodyguards in this hallway.
2: Okay, I'm gonna pull her a little bit away from the study and away from Alamar's office, and I'm gonna say, I assume they are trustworthy and I gesture towards her bodyguards
1: oh yes they obey any command that I give them and well they actually can't speak so anything you say to me is strictly in confidence but please I don't believe this hallway is really the place in which we should discuss why don't we retire back to my room and speak in, in, in more private
2: yes that would be good let's and I'll gesture for her to go and I'll follow her
1: okay and she does. She leads you down this hallway to where there's kind of this cluster of, of guest rooms. So along the southern wall, you see a, you know four doors, and she leads you into the third one.
4: Falzern, are you following? I am, but I'm not feeling, uh, given the fact that I'm running out of invisibility time, and that I know I'm not the most dexterous or stealthy, I'm going to stay outside of the door and just try and put my ear up to, to listen. I'm not going to try and sneak in uh, to the room with them, but I am going to follow and listen outside the door, see if I can hear anything.
1: Isabella leads Shakara to her room, opens the door, puts a hand, gestures for Shakara to enter ahead of her, and you see her speak to her two bodyguards. Just stand next to the door out here, fellows. <laughs> and she continues in after Shakara, closing the door behind her. And are outside in the hallway, outside in the hallway, you see either of these two robed figures. They stand to the left and right of the door.
4: Okay. Um, if I feel that I'm getting, like, within minutes or seconds even of my invisibility expiring, I'm going to I'm gonna bail and leave here. But I think I should have some time to listen for a little bit.
1: Okay, why don't you make me a stealth check to try to get up to this door here. Uh, 17. With advantage, remember. Oh. Okay.
4: Uh, 17 still
1: Okay Now please have a seat Isabella motions to uh, A set of three chairs Kind of around this coffee table
2: I'll look at the chair And I'll walk over to it but not sit down I'll kind of start pacing a little bit
1: Isabella takes a seat As you do this Kind of an amused smile Kind of creeps across her face Please, uh, th- there's no need to be antsy. Uh, what would you like to speak to me about?
2: I know there is history with you and Falzerin, but I do not know the details.
1: And you would like them, I presume?
2: I have many questions that I feel you may be able to assist me with and maybe... If I knew a little more about you, I would feel more comfortable sharing what I, what I know.
1: Oh, of, of course, of course. This knowledge is power. We are in Hermaculion as well. I took a liking to the young Falzer when I first met him in Zexa. There was something interesting about him. I couldn't quite place it at the time. And... I. you could say I pursued him. <laughs> and finally he agreed to what I offered him. And I will admit, while I may not appear as such, I am one of much power. And I offered him a, a, a bit of it in exchange for the business uh, with Erika, in which I had already alluded to earlier. And he agreed—an offer of more on success. I, again, I was quite curious whether or not he actually did kill her himself. If if he has, I certainly owe him on my end of the bargain.
2: Like I said before, I met him after. I do not know what actually happened with Erika.
1: Of course, of course, perhaps I can find him and speak to him myself.
2: Do you have any knowledge of the Deep Scions? Do you have any way of detecting one?
1: Oh, I'm afraid I don't know how to do that. I know very little about them, quite honestly. I have no reason or, or interest in them to date, uh,
2: we met with Brendel, who Falsring claimed was to be his best friend and Brendel betrayed us, revealing that he was a deep scion.
1: My word, I-, I met Brendel in Port Randis actually. he was out here looking for Falzer himself. He was such a sweet man I I, I-, I can't believe that. This, this secret life that he led
2: This is why I am having trouble trusting anyone.
1: Well I, I don't blame you.
2: If I said the name Dendar would that mean anything to you?
1: You see her kind of a, like the edges of a smile Well yes I mean I, I'm I'm familiar with the primordials.
2: Primordial. What does that mean?
1: Well, that is one w- of many beings of immense power. Much more than anything that I could offer myself. Uh, tell me, w- what is your interest in the, this Dendar?
2: Dendar has sent a messenger to me to say that Falzerin is not to be trusted. That Falzrin is either a deep scion himself or in league with them. I do not know what to make of this.
1: My word, and and you can trust this messenger?
2: I... I believe so? I... Do not know... I am in too deep.
1: How do you mean? More than just the Kraken? As that is quite deep, I would I certainly agree with that.
2: Yes, yes, that that is what I mean, yes. I do not know what to make of this.
1: Can you roll a deception check, please? <laughs>
2: uh, that's... Ooh, that's a 21.
1: Well, the Kraken is clearly of great concern for us all, as you and your friend Mia say. I do wish that some of the elders would have come around a little more quickly. This seems like a stall for time, if I may be honest. While a good plan, don't get me wrong, we should learn all that we can. I feel like some type of action must be able to be taken while we study, but I am at a loss as to what. As far as trusting and well again I, I share this in confidence as much of what we've speak, uh, spoken about so far I do have a certain connection with my sister Erica I, I do believe that if she had truly perished I would have felt it this was something I had kept from Falzern when I asked him to take on this task as a means of assurance that he would come back and speak the truth to me should he claim that she was dead. Perhaps when I do speak to him, if he lies about her perishing, that would certainly show some type of treachery, do you think?'
2: That does seem likely, and you would inform me of your thoughts after speaking with him.
1: Of course, at, at once. I, I tell you, I, I, I do not believe that Erika is dead.
2: The only thing I saw was, I am sorry to say, an arm that Shaft and Falzern claimed to have been Erika's. ...that was held aloft by Tolstov.
1: My goodness. This Tolstov seems like quite the character, quite the showman.
2: That he was.
1: Hmm. Well, if this truly was her arm, then she's out there wounded, at the very least. If she is a threat, she can still be dealt with.
2: Why would have the storm diminished if she was not dead?
1: Well, as, as you may know, one's concentration is often hard to maintain under duress or physical hindrance, despite the power in which Erica wields herself. If it truly did snuff the storm out upon her death, then she must have been gravely injured.
2: If she is alive, is she still a threat? If she is involved with the Kraken, could she still be something we may have to face?
1: Well, if she is given time to recuperate, then yes, I believe so.
2: Would you aid us against your sister?
1: Absolutely, yes, but I'm, I'm afraid I don't have the power to match her as a, that is why I had to sort out some other means of dealing with her. I'm afraid I may have given Falzer too much to handle, even with his companions aiding him.
2: Falzerin does not seem that powerful to me. <laughs> Quite frankly, I am surprised he has made it as long as he has.
4: You get the impression that someone outside the door is very offended.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: well, I... Phew, that may be true. Uh, I, I did see something in him, though, I must admit. and Admittedly, what I gave him as far as power is quite minimal.
2: What power did you give him? I bestowed him with a few
1: extra abilities, above and beyond what a a wizard of his ilk may be able to learn.
2: If one was to make a pact with a primordial being, would that lead to a change in one's character?
1: Well, I suppose it would... Depend upon the being. Many texts will read as the Primordial's being entirely evil. But I don't necessarily believe that to be true.
2: When she says that, Shakara kind of sits down in the chair, but like like her knees went out from under her. Sits down in the chair.
1: Oh, wow. And reacting to this, Oh, please, I... I don't mean to say anything to upset you uh, I tr- I tr- I, could not I truly could not say whether that would be the case I, I cannot speak to such matters with full affirmation uh, I would dispense the advice to one that may enter into such a contract to be to be wary of just what is asked of the Primordial, or any being for that matter.
2: It is my friend. I... Mistakes may have been made. Dear friend of mine. Maybe in over his head. How... would it be possible to break such a pact?
1: Well... Yes, I I do believe so. It would be dangerous. It would evoke possibly much wrath from those of whom the deal was struck. Uh, Your friend may incur much more bodily harm than they would be put through would they to see the end of this deal that they've struck up.
2: How would one arrive at the end, how would one know what is wanted of them?
1: As one that has in the past admittedly dispensed some deals. I certainly try to be as forthright with what I am seeking as possible, as that, in my opinion, is the only way to assure that what I need accomplished can be most easily accomplished. So if your friend has not received distinct instructions, I fear that something else may be lurking behind the
2: intent. There have been... And she looks down at her hands in her lap. There has been one request made. Destroying Falzerin.
1: My goodness. Your friend? He will seek to do this?
2: My friend is struggling with what to do.
1: I would advise your friend to be cautious. If some being seeks Thalzarin's death, then there is a reason. Whether that be the reason presented or some other obfuscated scenario, That is what you must truly figure out.
2: How would one know if one is in league with evil?
1: Well, it is in my experience that evil often tries to guise itself as something else. Something better, something good, something beneficial to those it is interacting with. It is quite difficult to discern, often. I am afraid that it boils down to trusting in oneself, and if that person is lucky, they can trust those around them as well. I do hope that your friend knows that they can trust in you is... It is very clear to me that you are one that can be confided in.
2: Yes, my friend and I are very close. We are in this together, for better or worse. I hope I can trust you with this knowledge and to not share it with any others.
1: Of course not. I have divulged quite a bit of myself to you as well. It's things that... Should they get back to Alomar, he would not be happy with some of the magics in which I am associated with, as I'm sure you've seen by his demeanor.
2: I have no reason to confide in Alomar.
1: I will tell you that if we convince the rest of the elders to help in this Kraken situation, that he will benefit our plight, if we can sway
2: him. That is good. Thank you for your time. This talk has been most... enlightening.
1: Of course, of course. Please come see me anytime.
2: Thank you. I think for now I shall go see what... information is in Geneva's library.
1: Of course. Give her my regards.
2: Thank you. And I'll get up and I'll head towards the door.
4: Falzarin's going to hear that and make his way back to the bathroom he'd originally gone into a Shaft. Make another self-check there, Falsy. Sixteen.
1: Okay. Shikar.
2: Stop at the door and I'll turn back to Izzy and I'll say... Do you... Trust... Falzarin?
1: Oh, well... That's quite the question. I... The last we spoke... He seemed to be trying to achieve what I asked him to do. Uh, as of yet, he, he does have my trust.
2: Would you be cross with me if I felt it necessary to take him out?
1: If you believe that he is somehow involved in what's going on and is a threat to Heracleion and Aspara, then... What you feel needs to be done, you should do.
2: Thank you. And I'll open the door and walk out.
1: All right. So and you retreat back to the washroom, and you just get in and close the door as your invisibility runs out. Shikara, you want to go see Geneva? Yeah. All right, Falzern, get out of here.
2: All right. I will go down to Geneva's door, and I will lightly knock on it.
1: And after a moment, she does open it. Oh, Shakara, please, please, come
2: in. Elder Geneva, thank you. Do you have in your possession any information on Deep Scions? Or the Kraken?
1: Well, that's not exactly something I focused my own studies on. I'm afraid I don't have any specific texts on those in my study.
2: What if I was to say to you the name Dendar, the Serpent Mother? Does that mean anything? Why,
1: why, would you, why would you know that name?
2: A friend of mine mentioned it to me.
1: She takes a seat in one of her chairs and uh, sit in front of her desk as you have walked in. And of course, you see a spiral staircase in one corner of her room that leads up to a second floor as well. Uh, a very tidy desk with a few pieces of parchment on it. It's my experience that when a person asks such a question... Can only mean one thing: that that person is seeking patronage from a greater power.
2: I was seeking no such thing. I have many questions, though, and need for information.
1: Well, I do hope that this friend that mentioned Dendar to you knows better than to foolhardily rush into some type of agreement with such a being.
2: I do not believe my friend knows what Dendar is or what it would mean to have association.
1: Then please, tell them to stay clear of any type of agreement, regardless of whom it's made with. It's not a path that leads to enlightenment or anything good.
2: It is a path that leads to what?
1: a path that usually just leads to death and slaughter
2: I'm going to put my left hand over my right arm where the blue brand is and kind of just grip it what would a being such as Dendar want with with someone like my friend
1: that I I cannot know But your friend will find that beings such as these, they can reach out to them from the farthest of realms and worlds. I hesitate to share this with you. But I do fear for your friend. You see her, she rolls up a sleeve of her robe. And on the inside of her right bicep, She reveals a marking. It says bone white snowflake. And it appears raised against her dark skin. Slashed through it is a gnarled pink scar, giving it the appearance of being split in half. She shows this to you and quickly covers it back up. I myself have been mixed up in such bargains.
2: Cannot the power be used for good? Cannot it be wielded by a good person for good purposes?
1: I certainly wish to believe that, yes. I am ashamed to admit at the time I was not that person. As I did terrible things in the name of my patron.
2: If Dendar is evil... And they would only seek to create chaos and so more evil. If they passed along a message for something to be done and that thing was not done, then my friend would not be evil.
1: I suppose evil is in one's actions. Not necessarily one's intent. I do not know much about Dendar. I do know the quarrel in which my former patron did have with Dendar. Father Limak. A being from God's knows where millennia ago, he was encased in ice by elven mages. Some of them being ancestors of Alamar. I... As I said, despite being trapped, these powers, they still have ways. And I fell in league with Father Lemeck. I was sent to Heracleion to kill Alamar, the last of the Zelwick line. I was quickly subdued by his skills, no match for him. He chose to help me instead of destroying me. He. He helped me break the hold that Father Limick had How? on me. How? How
2: did you do that?
1: Well, he. He is a man of great power and despite despite not believing or making note of any type of magic other than the arcane he still has knowledge of it and knows how to deal with it again the, these teachings he refuses to pass on I do believe he could help your friend
2: you could not. I trust you.
1: I'm afraid I could not. As I could not help myself any better at the time than I can help your friend now. I... Father Limic, he had me... He ha- I was his assassin. He, he had me kill many worshippers of Dendar, this feud between the two of them. I could feel it, my connection to Limic. The hatred he had for Dendar. I do not know how it began. What brought it about. I just know these hands and her of course she brandishes her palms and her hands are shaking as she's remembering these. These hands have done terrible things. To, 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 To those that I have no knowledge of having any ill will towards myself or anyone else. Uh, I did as I was commanded.
2: If Father Limec and Dendar were in a few, could that mean that Dendar is not evil?
1: I truly do not know. I, in my position, in my ilk, we were told very little. As again, we were in, expected to follow commands. And that is all granted with powers of our own, a fraction of what limit himself could wield in a single finger lift.
2: If Dendar is on the side of right, my friend has been asked to remove someone from this plane. If Dendar is on the side of right, then that person needs to be removed.
1: And your friend will live with... this action... for the rest of their days.
2: If it is for the betterment of Aspara... that is all that matters.
1: While I agree with... drastic measures... being justified in many occasions... if your friend does not ask the appropriate questions... and more importantly does not receive the appropriate answers, I do not know how much you can trust the righteousness of what is asked of them.
2: I will caution my friend to take no action for now.
1: I am glad to hear that. Now, while my personal collection of books cannot offer you much, I... Some of the elders, there is rumor that Alamar, despite being despondent towards anything outside of his traditions that he keeps a secret library. I do not know where. It's certainly nowhere in the grounds in which anybody in the keep has access to. I do not know what is in this library. Again, even if it exists, it's just something... Us elders, I mean, we... We speak of things sometimes to pass the time, sometimes to entertain each other. What validity they hold, I don't know. But if it does exist, then I th- believe you'll get your answers there.
2: Thank you. You have been most helpful.
1: Of course. Please, if, if your friend or you need anything else, my door is always open.
2: What are your thoughts on Falzerin?
1: Well, I, uh, Falzren, I quite, I quite like Falzerin. I mean, he, I know he and Alamar they butt heads. Falzren again likes to stray from tradition, and that's part of what led to him leaving. I was quite sad to see him go, but I do believe that if one seeks out a journey of their own, then they should be supported in that journey I don't see any problem with broadening one's horizons even if it falls outside of the traditions of Heraklion. but of course you did not hear that from me
2: of course did you know his friend Brendel?
1: I had never met him personally but Falzern did speak of him quite fondly is he here with you as well
2: Brendel perished some time ago.
1: My word, does Falzern know? Have, have you told him? He'll be crushed.
2: Falzerin was there when Brendel betrayed us, and revealed himself as a deep scion.
1: My goodness. Uh, I can only imagine what is going through Falzerin's mind. I understand some of your reservations and temperament when speaking of him now, I I do not know what to say I I have never experienced such a betrayal again, sadly, to say I am usually was, please let me correct myself, was the one betraying I know how devastating it can be
2: It is difficult to trust anything Falzarin says now, as he was close to Brendel, and claims he did not know of this treachery.
1: Well, I will say from what I know of Falzarin, he's a very smart person, but wisdom is not his strong suit, for what that's worth.
2: That does seem to be the case. <laughs> Thank you. I shall leave you now.
1: Have a good night. A- a- please enjoy the festivities.
2: I shall try. There is much I have to think on.
0: And that's our... Ah, whatever. Hey, Incorrigibles. Incorrigible lights. Definitely not Lelanders. Thanks for listening. We all super appreciate you following along with our adventure. If you could take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, that would be great. We'd love your feedback, and it really helps our show grow. And if you like us, recommend us to a friend. If you hate us, recommend us to a friend, or share us on social media. Leland's got so much more up its sleeves, and it's a totally original homebrew. We would love to have more friends following along. We'd love to interact with you guys on Twitter, at Incorrigible On Instagram and Facebook, we're at Incorrigible All our socials can be found on incorrigibleparty.com. And on our site, you can get merchandise, character info, world lore, etc. This podcast was sponsored by Critical Hit Design at criticalhitdesign.com. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for allowing us to use any ambient sounds or music during our show. Intro and outro by Josh Jarvis. Contact him at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com for inquiries. Catch you next time.
1: Welcome one, welcome all to the finals. This is what it's all been building up to, folks. Our competitors have battled through it all. From two-thirds of egg coven and ferocious wooden badger, to the paladin of cultist finest and every combatant with an ounce of orcish blood, we have Rugar Alebender versus Sardo the Revenant Magician. But wait! There's more! Our arena has been retrofitted tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It now consists of three concentric rings that give way to liquid hot magma beneath. The longer the fight lasts, the smaller the arena will get. If they don't close it out fast, they'll both end up cooking. Let's get ready to crumble! Hale better makes a break for his wagon, looking to deploy the bar. It looks like Sardo has received yet another modification in between matches. His copper hands have been sharpened into point. He's tossing them on the ground now. I think I know what's coming next. Yes! Sardo has catapulted a hand at Rugar. It pierces the dwarf's shoulder as he stumbles forward. Sardo launches his second hand. The blow knocks Rugar completely off his feet. He goes down in the dirt. There's our first arena shift. I can feel the heat all the way up here in the booth. Rugar is crawling for the offensive safety of his wagon, but Sardo easily catches up to him and begins pummeling him with his bloodless stumps. How is this not over? It is true what they say, stout as a dwarf, stout as an bender ale. Sardo swings in for another round of beatings, but Rugar is recovering. He's managed to get into his traveling brewer's kit and has Sardo's arms wrapped in sub-tubing. With a mighty kick, Rugar opens up some breathing room and he's back on his feet. Still bleeding from those catapult wounds, Ailbender gets to his wagon, pulling a, a red lever. This is new. It looks like Sardo wasn't the only one to get some upgrades in between bouts. The top of Rugar's wagon has popped open to reveal a mounted ballista. Rugar takes aim, and he fires! Sardo throws up an arcane shield, but oh my god, it's a fireball bolt! It's useless! The shield is useless! Sardo's engulfed in flame, he's blown back! Another shot like that, and he's done for. Rugar takes aim again... There's the second arena shift! Rugar's wagon is on the edge, going down fast! Ailbender leaps from it. I don't think he's gonna make- HE MADE IT! He's grabbed the edge! Oh oh, no, those those shoulder wounds, they've made him weak, though he's struggling to pull himself up! Sardo's at the edge, he's raising one boot, he's stomping on Rugar's fingers! The dwarf slips! He plummets into the magma! Sorrow the Revenant wins! Sorrow takes it! We have our inaugural March Madness champion! (sighs) Well, that was one hell of an event. I hope you've enjoyed IP March Madness 2020. We'll see a whole new batch of competitors in the next year.